Welcome to the Vision Church Podcast. We are so excited to have you with us. We hope this message will encourage and inspire you to walk out your God-given vision. Now here's today's message. So this morning what I want to do is I want us to get frankly honest with ourselves this morning. And, and I want to ask a couple of questions. And so for that, as I was praying, I really felt like you needed to hear from more than just me. So I'm going to invite my family, my wonderful wife, Nicole, uh, my, my daughter, Becca, who's our oldest, and then my youngest son, Zach, my only son. And I always tell my kids, you're my favorite daughter, you're my favorite son. And they, it's nice that I'm able to do that. But with that in mind, here's what I want to say to you, is this is a safe environment, Okay. This is a safe environment for you to be able to begin to get honest with yourself about where you really, really are. And I believe that God wants to shake some lies that you've been believing about yourself this morning. Amen. How many of you would desire to see that in your own life? Maybe you've been believing a lie and it's time for you to not believe the lie anymore. Because it's important for us to know the truth, isn't it? Because it's the truth that sets us free. It's the truth that makes us free. And talk um, as a family uh, quite often. We call it the conversation. We have an actual broadcast, not a blog, a conversation. Subscribe we literally to just have a conversation. Subscribe a, it's not iTunes and SoundCloud. Subscribe to us on SoundCloud. Okay. <laughs> All right. So it's not a vlog. Zach's got vlogs out there, but it's not a blog. No, it's a podcast. It's a podcast, but it's called the conversation. And we'll just talk about the things of God. And he'll lead us and he'll, he'll guide us in, into, into truth in his word. And so we're talking about this, about being honest with ourselves. And that, yes, this is a safe environment where, you know, church is that. It's the incubator that, that helps people grow in, in the word of God. But if we're not honest with ourselves, then the word of God can come to our hearts and be like, well, that's for so-and-so. Boy, I wish so-and-so would have been here because they really needed to hear that. Or like you're never the one with the problem. Right, <laughs> exactly. So that's what this is designed for today, the next, this week and next week. Too. Yeah. So just a little heads up for next week. So Johnson family, yeah. conversation, let's Absolutely. be honest. Well, let me read, I'm going to read a couple of scriptures. You know, 2 Corinthians 13 says to examine ourselves. Okay, so this is biblical, right? We're supposed to look at ourselves and examine and see where we are. Uh, I'm always impressed with young people that have a vision for their life. They, they, they see where they want to go, you know, because they've obviously taken the time to really examine where they are in life. But I'm going to read to you out of Colossians chapter 1. Okay, one of the questions I felt like I wanted to deal with this morning is, is Jesus in the center of your life? Is Jesus in the center of your life? This is one question that I... That I'd like us to deal with this morning. You know, you take a, you take a young girl and, and uh, her boyfriend maybe broke her heart. And so the problem is, is he was in the center. He was where Jesus was supposed to be. Yeah. You know, so let me read to you Colossians and then we'll dive in here. Colossians chapter 1, this is verse 15. It says this, He is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn of all creation. For by him all things were created in heaven and in earth, visible and invisible. Whether thrones or dominions or rulers or authorities, all things were created through him and for him. And he is before all things, and in him all things hold together. And he is the head of the body, the church. He is the beginning 
the firstborn from the dead, that in everything he might be preeminent. For in him all the fullness of God was pleased to dwell, and through him all uh, through him to reconcile to himself all things, whether on earth or in heaven, making peace by the blood of the cross. That sounds to me like Jesus is supposed to be in the center. But we go to I, I go to church on Sunday. And I go to I go to V Group on Wednesday. And I tell God I love him every day. So we're good, right? We're good there. Just like telling him I love you. And that's it. Is that are we? Maybe not. <laughs> well, I mean like I mean yeah. we talked we talked about this last night. because um, it's it's funny. You all ever have some of those moments where you're just sitting around the table as a family, and then you, someone just says something, and then it sets something off, and everyone's just like, oh, blah, 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 and then everyone's jumping in, you know? Well, that was kind of us last night. We were just sitting at the table, and it was like Holy Spirit just went, poof, and we were like, wah, and we were all just And I'm like, in. why are we recording this? This yeah, is so exactly. good. <laughs> <laughs> like, get it on tape, record it. Because um, we were just talking, you know, about Jesus being the center, you know, of everything we do, and... One of the things that I've seen just in the church, especially, is there's a lot of trying to categorize, right? I mean, we live in a day and time where our lives are so busy, and we feel like we need to categorize everything. You know, it's where it's like, I mean, especially nowadays, like, we're working part-time jobs. Yeah, so that we keep it in the the right order. Yeah, so we're like, okay, I need to do this, this, this. We end up doing that with our lives. We're like, okay, God's number one, family is number two, and work is number three, right? Has anybody ever done that? Has anybody ever done that to where you're like, God, family, ministry, da, 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 or whatever? So I'm good. Yeah. yeah. And so we were talking about this last night, and it was like Holy Spirit just like just lit up, and we were like, whoa. Because if you all of a sudden categorize God, you put him in a box. You see, if you separate it, God, family, work, friends, blah, blah, and so on and so forth, then where is God in your family? Where is God in your work? Where is God in your friends? And what you do is you begin to separate it to where it's like, okay, God is my number one, but then I spend time with family. Well, no, it's, it's not supposed to be God, family, work, ministry, blah, blah. It's supposed to be God, then God, then God, then God, then God. You bring God into your family. You bring God into work. You bring God into your friends. You do all this stuff, and you bring God into the situation instead of just separating him. Because, Becca, you said this last night. Well, it's like we tie Yeah, I've realized um, lately that, like, a lot of people will tie God's hands behind his back. And they're not realizing it because they will only say, God, I love you. You're so awesome. Like, thank you for everything you're doing in my life. And then they'll go do whatever else they want to do with their life. You know what I mean? It's like, it's like churches have kind of pushed, like, we should thank God for everything. And yes, we should. You know, we should tell God we love him. Yes, we should. Mm-hmm. But what about should we allow him to tweak us in an area, to correct us where we are wrong, right. um, or just like prune us? A lot of people won't. And so God's just like, Thank you. Thank you for loving me. But he can't do anything in your life. He can't do anything. I mean, people that love you the most are willing and able to correct you. And it's easier being loved, taking the correction, because you know it's coming from someone of love that knows you in your best and knows you in your worst. So they know how to communicate effectively. And God does that to each and every one of us. Now, if I can be honest with you guys, because... Please do. Let's be honest. I'll be honest. Um, You know, there have been times that I've asked you honestly about, um, you know, different things. Do I do this? Do I do that? You do look good in blue. So I'm just, just I'll give that back. Give up for the color blue. Yeah. Yeah. Woo, woo. Okay, back on the subject here. Okay. Come on, really. Come back in. Um, but, I, but I've asked you to be honest about something that I'm, I'm 
wanting to deal with. Men, sometimes it's important that, we, that we're man enough to come before our family and ask them to be honest with us. Uh, am I struggling in this area? Do I have a challenge in this area? It's not a sign of I can tell not everybody's agreeing with that right now. You guys are looking at me like, is he serious? (laughs) Well, most of the time, the whole family already knows it. Yeah, they know it anyway. I mean, you might as well. You know each other's shortcomings. talk about the elephant in the room. So when you feel safe to actually bring it up as the person to say, hey, where do you think I need to make a change or help? And then the honesty is there. It's almost like a man, I knew it, <laughs> you know, and it's a relief, and which is also a release, which can bring healing and wholeness, and then holding that person accountable for then, for right then, and the future to not go back to the old habits, to not go back to the, the cycle that they, that, that's been going on, so. Well, I, okay, so if I can be vulnerable with you, I like movies. I grew up going to the movies, you know, I remember dad is in the 71 Challenger going to the drive-in, he'd throw me up on the roof, you know, with the sleeping bag, and we'd watch, and, and see, we and, never did, yeah, that was she not, was saved all of her yeah, life, yeah, that was not, um, can't go to movies, can't wear not against <laughs> movies, not the, yeah. but anyway, but I remember, you know, I, I would, I was allowing entertainment to kind of slip into that center position, and I sat down to watch a movie, Nicole, and she, she's full of zingers, you know, she has these one-liners that she can just kind of nail you to the wall with. Anybody? Okay, I'm going to Yeah, okay, yes. some people. I yeah. felt it. Your wife's the same way? Yeah. And so, and, and, and I remember I was getting ready to sit down, and this movie came on TV. And I was like, hey. But it was on a Sunday night, and I think it was around 8 o'clock, and, I need, you know, I had work in the morning. And so you... You looked was at me it like said, Star Wars or something? I don't remember what it was. I think it was Rambo. It was a Rambo? Oh, Rambo guys. Come like, on. Like, movies for guys who like movies, huh? And I'm like, they should have stopped at three. I'm just okay. going to say that. Yeah, okay. Um, Maybe two. I feel a repentance coming on. Uh, but anyway, but I sat down to watch it, and you said to me, are you, are you going to watch that? And I said, well, you know, I was thinking about watching it. And you said, do you think it's going to end any different? Ooh. And I thought with that, you know, I couldn't sit there and watch the movie. I had to turn it off. I was like, okay, you just ruined it for me. You know, but what she was, what the Holy Spirit used that to point out in my life was that I was allowing entertainment to slip into that center position. Do you know what I mean? Where our life is not, our life kind of rotates around what the center position is. Jesus is supposed to be the root you know, Jesus is supposed to be, if you're a musician, you have a thing called the circle of fifths. So you have, you have the root key that the song is in. That's the key that the song is in. But then, uh, like during the verse, typically the song will go around the circle of fifths. It may play the two minor seven. It may, it'll play the four and the, and the six key. But then eventually it's going to come back around to one. And Jesus is, okay, a little music theory so that, in the that, message there. That hit the musicians in the room, but here's another That's one. I, simpler. Here, here's a phrase that I've never, I've never liked. If mama ain't happy, nobody's happy. That puts mama in the center of, of the situation. And when you find yourself, um, when I find myself, or when, if you find yourself irritable or, or not happy or whatever the case may be. The Check. problem the problem is probably with you. Yeah. Or yeah. with me. Fi- like wh- what is your position? Yeah. Are you in the center? 
Because if you're in the center, you're in the wrong place because Jesus needs to be in the center. And we've, we've heard as parents um, and, and school teachers, educators, man, when a child comes to you in a school, in a classroom setting, or even in the family, if they're the center of that family, if they're, if they're in the center of their universe, are they very fun to be around? No. And okay, once again, who's it? What's in the center? And so we learned as as young young uh, parents that a baby, you know, of course, an infant every, needs everything, and so all your attention is on that infant. Don't don't get me don't don't mishear me that you, you neglect their needs. No, but eventually, when that baby starts getting older, that baby is taught to be a part of the family, not the center of the family. Because when that child does grow up old enough to be a part of a group in classroom situations, they're a, they know how to share. They know how to be a, a part of the family. So as long as you're in the center or the item that you, that, that you just can't give up is in the center, it's in the wrong position. It's in the wrong place. So if, 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 I if was, we're irritated I, I with something, so hey, we're in this, get out of the center. I was so impressed with T.L. Osborne that time at Victory um, where he came before uh, the church and, and he was going to give the OSFO building. It was a 100,000 square foot building that he owned to Victory. And, and we were going to use it for Victory Bible College. And at the time we were, we were attending Victory Bible College. And, but he, he made a statement that really stood out to me. He said, he said, now because I own this building, I can give it to you. I don't know anything on it. And he said, you can't, you, can't, give he said you can't give something that you don't own, that doesn't belong to you. Man, that was powerful. So the things that we have in our life, jump in, but the things that we have in our life, if we can't give them away, if God says give it away, then that owns us. Right. And he's not in the center. Something else that I think is very important, too, is um, to be able to put Jesus in the center, you have to have reverence for him, for who he is. Um, Becca and I, we just got back a couple weeks ago from a three-day event in Colorado. Um, Colorado, pretty awesome. Um, and so we were at this event, and it was John and Lisa Bevere that were speaking on one of the nights. Um, totally, And it was totally, intense. Yeah. It was super hard. You want to talk about being <laughs> honest and hearing things that yeah. you don't want to hear. Because they knew everyone in the hear. room like was in ministry and was Christians, so they got to like, whoo. Yeah. Push all that hard stuff, you know, that they can't. With, yeah. We know, you know, when it's new believers or whatever. Mm -hmm. so. And so John started, he, he, he taught a little bit on the fear of the Lord and walking in the fear of the Lord. What does that look like? Because I don't know about you guys, but I love moves of God, right? Like this morning, what happened in worship? Like I, I'm for that. I love that. You know, when God just comes in and he just touches us, he just loves on us because that's his character. That's who he is. And for those of you who did not know, God spoke this morning when, when, when the, um, the gifts of the Spirit move in, a, in our presence, that's God speaking. And so God speaks through his word, he's, his written word. He speaks to you in, in your heart, that still small voice. And then in a corporate body like this, when, when, he's, when he's welcome to move, uh, the Spirit of God can move. And so that's, that, that's what was taking place. So that's what Zach yeah. was talking about. And we thank you for being a body that wants the Holy Spirit to move and, and say, and sometimes people are, are, are scared of wildfire. Well, what if it gets out of hand? Well, honey, let's get there and deal with it then, okay? Let's not stop the move of God when he's trying to move because yeah. God, can, God can let Pastor Phil know when, and, you know, when, when you need to call. 
Don't worry about being in error. When you are Godward and you're trying to do, you know, to allow God to move through you, you may have a word personally for somebody. Go to that person in a, in a public setting and just say, I don't know what this means, but deliver that word. Allow God to use you to speak through you to an individual or to the body as a corporate body. So Yeah, so, so John shared this story uh, while he was speaking about a time when he was in Brazil, and he was speaking at, it was like a national day for the, the nation of Brazil, and yeah, for pastors, and they had brought him in as a speaker. And so it was set up, you know, in like the old traditional way to where, you know, you have the praise and worship and all the pastors and everyone is sitting up there on the platform. And so, you know, he's able to see the crowd in the audience. And so he was up there. It was probably an hour or so after the event started before he was, you know, getting up to preach. And he said for that entire hour, through praise and worship and through everything, he said, I sat there and I looked. I was just observing. And he said, and I looked. And throughout that entire stadium... People were talking to one another. People Moving, were going in and out. Leaving. They were laughing. Yeah. They were doing all this stuff. It was no like a one, show. No one was even caring mm-hmm. that uh, what was even happening in the moment, which was yeah. worship was coming forth, and they were preparing their hearts to hear the word of the Lord. And so John said, so it came time for me to speak, and even then, everyone was still just mingling uh, amongst each other, just like they were at a casual restaurant. And he's like, and I just got up there, and he's like, and I did exactly just what I thought to do, which was I stood there, and I just stared at them. And he's like, and if there's one thing that grabs people's attention, it's when the speaker that they've come to listen to isn't speaking. He's just standing there looking at them. And he said, eventually, everyone quieted down, and I had all their attention. And he said, I looked right at them. And it's like, this is just the way John communicates, but it's done in such love, which is what I love about him. And he looked at them and he said, the the presence of God is not here. And he said, it's not here because there is no reverence for the things of God. There is no reverence for a move of God. And he said for the next hour, he taught on the fear of the Lord and just spoke on it. And he said while he was speaking, he still did not feel the spirit of God at all. The whole time. Like the whole time he was just like, I'm just going to preach this message and hopefully it'll get through. Yeah. Yeah. There's nothing harder than trying to preach a message and the spirit of God is not not there. there. (laughs) Or when you're trying to lead worship and everyone's... Or do anything else. And there's no anointing (laughs) on it. That's tough. But he said after he finished preaching on it, he gave an altar call and an opportunity for people to literally lay down what they had, lay down all the distractions, and just focus on the Lord. And he said, and they filled up the altar. By the end of the service, everyone raised their hands, and they were all there at the altar. And they surrendered, and they asked for forgiveness. They repented, and they all turned their eyes to heaven, and they just shouted and just praised God and everything. And he said, and then all of a sudden, all of the, all of the women that were down at the altar all of a sudden, they all just fell down, just splat. And he's like, we didn't have any catchers, so they just fell down, you know? So if you're used to like a Pentecostal or all that kind of stuff, you know, people lay hands on you and you fell down. You know, that's just kind of how the spirit moves. Sometimes they would and push you down, slain but that's okay. in the spirit. I, I feel yeah. like they used to <laughs> push me down. God doesn't kill people. There's no slaying they, going on. They no. fell under no. the power. Exactly. It was so heavy, yeah. Yeah. they fell under and the power. And so all the women fell over, and so he's just like, okay. You know, so he's just still doing his thing. And then all of a sudden, all the women started just laughing hysterically and just were rolling over. And now he's kind of like, all right. You know, like when the spirit of God moves, stuff kind of happens. And he said, and then they started screaming, and this huge rushing wind 
blew through that entire arena. And he said it was so loud, yeah. it was louder than like a tornado that was, that was coming. He said it was so loud and it rushed over and everyone started screaming just under the power. And then it left. And, and he, he was, said in that moment he couldn't do anything. Right. He was like, I was so afraid for my life physically. But then he said in my heart, I wanted nothing more mm -hmm. than everything God was doing. Right. So he said, I just stood back because he said, do not. And if you have a moment like that. Like, if you're not led to say anything, don't. Because he remembers, you know, in the Bible where um, people would come in unworthy or not in reverence and say something. Mm -hmm. And, you know, it didn't work out so well. And it happened so, once in the New Testament, too. Yeah. yeah. Like, and so he just backed off and let God do his thing. And, and it happened. The wind came and went. It was like it was done in three swells, right? So if you've ever been to the ocean, it just it came once. But each time it gradually got more and more intense. And the last time it swept through, and John said, I just sat down. I was just like, just taking it in. And it swept through and it left. And they said, after the event, the police officers that were nearby in, the, in downtown, they ran in the stadium and were like, what's, what's going on? And, and they talked to the sound guys because they thought maybe it was, you know, a technical glitch and because they had, you know, huge speakers and they thought maybe it was. And the sound guy was like, the entire time that happened, I had zero, nothing was coming through the speakers. Yeah, it was nothing. completely dead. Yeah. And so that was literal. And because the police officers were like, no, whatever we were that was, we could hear you from like wow. six blocks away. Wow. And it was just a move of God. Why? But, yeah. It was the reverential fear of the Lord. Yeah that drew God to literally want to touch people. Because let me tell you, it, do you want to draw near to someone that doesn't honor you or respect you or love you per se? Well, God wants to draw near to us if we will love him and honor him and respect him. He loves us no matter what. We know that. But the level that he can draw near to us and move on our behalf is dependent on how much we fear him. Because if you walk in the fear of man more than the fear of God, then you do what we talked about earlier. You tie his hands behind his back because you don't reverence him. You reverence what people think about you in the moment. Mm -hmm. Becca was talking about um, the reverence. Of, well, you're both talking about the reverence of God, but this past week I received a, a, a text from a lady in, who was doing some ministry, and she was just saying just how wonderful God was and how he was giving her words to say. And my reply was, God is such a sweet God. And when I said that, it was appropriate for the, for the, for the moment, and, and it was what I, what, I, what I was led to say. But God said, don't forget. Or basically, it was like, God is what we need at the time. That situation needed this, that the sweetness of God. Taste and see that I'm good. Yeah. You know? But then there's those times when his judgment is and and when you see God's judgment, it doesn't look sweet at all. No, there's nothing sweet about it. It's swift, and it's and it's right. But so many times we just want the sweet God, and yet live our life however we want to. Right. You know, I'm going to come to church. I'm going to do the thing. I'm going to say yes, God, I love you. But yet still keep on the table over here the things that I want to keep on the table over here, even though his word clearly says things about certain things. Right. Now, there's some things that, that he doesn't say which job to take. You know, you know you've, you've got two things set before you. It does say, I set before you life and death. Choose life. 
So, you know, there are specifics, there's, there's generals, but either way, God wants to speak to us, but are we listening? Let's be honest. Are we really listening? And we are, are we really saying, God, whatever your will is. Yeah. I want to, last night we, we had said, we were to, you used the example of the um, American Idol. And you're like, dude, that's not your calling. And, and I can't, and it just rose up out of me. Um, yeah, that's not his calling. That's his falling. <laughs> you know? And so we want to walk in our callings and not our fallings. See, a zinger. That's our zinger. That. <laughs> we, we've got to be open to God to, even if we really, really, really want to do this, let's be honest. Yeah. And say, God, what what are you telling me in, in, in my heart? Yeah, because we live, we live in a world now that's so adamant about just do what feels good. Just do what feels good. If it makes you feel good, do it. No. Because Paul, I mean, Paul talks about this in, in, in the New Testament. He says, my spirit wants everything opposite my flesh, and my flesh wants everything opposite my spirit. So if I'm constantly doing everything that feels good to my flesh, I'm starving my spirit. Because, I mean, there has been so many times, and I, 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 I lived like a hypocrite for a while, like whenever I was a teenager. I lived as a hypocrite in front of my, in front of my friends. My parents were pastors full-time. And so, and I was on the worship team. The worship team was me, dad, mom, and another guy who was playing bass. So, and I loved doing it. But I remember Sundays where I would go in and we would play service. We would have awesome services. And I'd go home and I would literally curse like a sailor in front of my friends. We'd stay up all night playing video games. And I was a total hypocrite. And I just remember looking back on that now and being like, that's what felt good to my flesh but it brought no real change. And now I pray for my friends. I pray for both of them, Ben and Jacob. I remember their names. I remember standing there and just being like, God, forgive me. I pray that they would see you for who you really are because I neglected an opportunity to live Jesus in front of them. As a matter of fact, I didn't make Jesus look good. I made Jesus look like I was just using him to get by. And that's a scary place to be. When we live our lives to use Jesus as a crutch, instead of using him as our vessel, because <laughs> he's using us as a vessel, but we're just as reliant on him as he is on us. That's why that's the great, there's no greater match on earth or in heaven than a father with his children. And after I saw that, I was like, man. And so whenever I look at the world and what the world is always telling us to do, obviously it's not working because <laughs> there's more of an identity crisis in this world today than there ever has been. Why? Because people are just doing what they want because it feels good. God hasn't called us to do what feels good. He's called us to do what feels right, what is right. And so what you're saying is you don't have to be perfect for God to use you. Absolutely. You just have to have a repentant heart and receive forgiveness. Heaven is not full of perfect people. Heaven is full of forgiven people. And so God, when you say God needs us as much as we need him, how else is he going to get his message out to people? If he would have done it himself, it would have been done. But God uses fallible people, people who make mistakes, but people who are quick to say, God, I missed it. I need you in my life. So thanks yeah. for, your, for, for your vulnerability. We've all yeah. been there. We've all made mistakes. We, we're not perfect. We're not up here with the mic in our hands because we're perfect. This is what obedience looks like well, when you, right here. When we prayed, when you prayed to receive Jesus, he didn't save your heart. He didn't just come to come into your heart only. He, he wants your life. 
He didn't didn't die just so he could have your heart. He wants to have all of you, all of us. And so the point this morning is that there's a lot of things competing for the center in your life. I mean, the devil will make sure that you have plenty of things that want to compete to have center focus. You know, some people, you see people sometimes lay down social media because they realize how much time of their life is being sucked into this, you know, just scrolling scenario. But it could be many things. It could be many of the things that we talked about. It could be your career. It could be your education. It could be your spouse could slip into that center spot. A child could slip into that center spot. But when we put Jesus where he belongs in the center, then everything else in our life begins to work out. Everything else in our life begins to revolve around Jesus instead of Jesus having to revolve around the other things that are in the center. Thanks so much for listening. If you would like to support this ministry financially, you can do so at visionnwa.com forward slash give. Be sure to subscribe to our podcast available on iTunes and SoundCloud. Vision Church, vision for life.